Um, Christmas time, it's all about family. It's all about time with friends, loved ones, being able to experience the joy of, of giving gifts. I love giving presents to my kids. I appreciate Christmas more now than I think I did growing up. Like I used to get geeked out about the presents I would get when I was a kid and anticipate the stuff. Like G.I. Joe, man, I used to go crazy over G.I. Joe stuff. Or He-Man. Back, y'all don't, don't talk to me about Christmas if you don't know anything about He-Man or Thundercats. G.I. Joe, GoBots, Transformers. Like Transformers were cool. You remember GoBots, like the budget Transformers? Used to get, I got a, I got a mess load of GoBots growing up. Here you go, son. This doesn't look like Optimus Prime. No, it's Big Truck Bob. Okay, this is what I'm. Gonna, <laughs> Big Truck Bob is awesome. Now, I had, a, I had a lot of great Christmases growing up, and my parents did a wonderful job of making it special. Uh, kids, how many of y'all are ready for Christmas? Yeah, bunch of you. Kids, hey, on the count of three, kids, well, you want to, on the count of three, you get to be loud in church. I want you to shout out, like, the one gift this year that you're going crazy for that you hope that you get. Are you ready? One, two, three, shout it out. Yeah, I, I couldn't make anything out, but that sounded real passionate. Good for, good for you guys. Parents. Look, I know some of y'all are really anticipating some gifts this year, right? Let's be true. Like, if you're in the adult crowd this morning and you've got something you're just hoping you get for Christmas this year, raise your hand. Nobody? Am I the only one? Like, I've got some stuff. Yeah, okay. I met, I was real mean to uh, to my daughter, Hannah, last night. I can't believe I did this. We got back from, uh, don't judge me yet. I was like, <laughs> got back from... Uh, from a friend's house, we did a little Christmas thing. You know, you do the Christmas circuit about this time of year, hitting friends and family and all this stuff. And and uh, and so we, we got back home, and she was like, can I just open one present tonight? Just one present tonight, please. And, man, she was putting on the show. Please, 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 please. And I was like, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. And then I said, I'll tell you what. I've got a present in my pocket. If you come over here, I'll give it to you. She walked over to me, and I was like, here you go, child. I was like, this is the gift of patience, and I'm giving it to you now. You can wait until we open up our gifts as a family. She looked at me, and she was just like, oh, I hate you right now. She's been walking off. <laughs> Sometimes being a parent's fun. It's just fun in an evil way. In the evil way. It's like that one guy um, who was telling a story about how they all packed up for a, a family vacation and they were taking the kids to Disney World. And all the kids popped in. They were all excited about Disney World. That's all they talked about. We're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. And about 30 minutes into the drive, the kids started arguing. Quit touching me. Stop it. Make those stop. You're on my side of the car. You know, all the stuff that happens. And the dad's like, I've just about had enough of this. And then the crying and the whining started. He's like, you know what? That's it. He was driving and he saw this old burnt down warehouse. And he's like, oh, no, kids. Disney World burnt down. We got to go home. He turned around and went back home. Uh, maybe that's just being mean as a parent. That's a good strategy. How many of y'all like that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they can pay for their own counseling when they grow up, right? Don't have to worry about that. <laughs> um, 
gifts, gifts to people are fun. But I tell you what, the greatest gift that was ever given, the greatest gift that was ever given, his name was Jesus. The greatest gift ever given. And there was a lot that came with the gift of Jesus. Our salvation, our forgiveness, our redemption. Peace, we talked about that as a church last week. The peace that comes from your relationship with Jesus. But Jesus also gives us a gift of new beginnings. He gives us the opportunity just to start over, put the pieces of life back together, and begin life with a clean slate to the forgiveness that he gives. Amen? If you got your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2. This is kind of the, the theme verse we've been going over again and again and again this morning. It gives the account of the Christmas story and the birth of Christ and the shepherds in the field. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her, her being Mary, to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. Yeah, no doubt. If I was out there just minding my business in the field, and suddenly this big angel just appeared just out of nowhere, yeah, Josh would probably have to find a tree or a bush to go behind for a minute and then come back. Just don't tell the truth. Um, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good good news of great joy, That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David our Savior, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Jesus' entire life His entire life was about one moment. Jesus' entire life was about one moment. And that was him paying the price for our sins. It's the sole person who said he can't. That's the reason why he walked the earth. The reason why he was born. Because we all messed up. We all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned, what the Bible says. All of sin to come short of the glory of God. What it says, we've all made mistakes. We've all sinned against God. We've all disobeyed his word. In fact, look at, the, look at your neighbor real fast. Look him in the eyes and say, hey, you done messed up. 
You done messed up. Some of y'all look pretty intense. I don't know what happened on the way to church this morning. We're just going to, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Jesus can forgive that too. Amen. Jesus can forgive that too. His, his, his whole purpose for walking on this earth was to lay down and give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Because we were separated from God because of that. He came to restore that relationship so that we can walk in that forgiveness. And I know some people will say, well, yeah, that sounds like a great story. And everybody talks about it this time of the year. But how do I know that it's really true? There is a lot of ways you can know that it's really true. There's a ton. Besides the, the joy and the peace and the purpose that, that you feel when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have that relationship with him, the personal aspect of it and, and hearing God speak to your spirit and, and feeling alive on the inside and that dead spot that was inside of you. It, aside from all that personal stuff, there is a ton of factual evidence to prove that Jesus is who he said he was. There's a ton we don't have time to go over all of it this morning, but a math professor did a lot of the work for us already. Um, he, uh, he had about 600 students work on stats and, and run the numbers and run the odds and figure out what the actual odds would have been. Jesus was who he said he was. And he just focused on the prophecies that were made about Jesus through the Old Testament up until his birth. You realize it was way over 300 prophecies made about Jesus, hundreds of them made about Jesus, uh, like where he would be born, the kind of death he would die, that he would be betrayed by a friend, that, um, that uh, all of these things prophesied about Jesus. And one by one, he fulfilled every one of those prophecies that were made like hundreds of years before his birth, up to thousands of years before his birth, and go ahead and put this number up here. Listen, this is just amazing. Just one person's odds of fulfilling just eight of those prophecies that were made about Jesus. The odds are one and a really big number. <laughs> a really big number. Now, if I'm right, and I know you math nerds might check me on this, but I think that's a quintillion. One and one quintillion quadrillion quadrillion is that what it is it's a quadrillion all right that's a big number appreciate the help that's a big number just one person fulfilling eight of those jesus fulfilled way over 300 it's amazing just eight of them so they upped the number and said well that's just a let's see what the odds look like for one person fulfilling 48 of these prophecies and it turned out to be one chance in 10 to the 157th power. Now, that's a big number. That's a big, big number. You get where I'm going with this? Just with the prophecies alone. Forget about the historical data and the facts and the miracles and the witnesses to the miracles and the witnesses to his resurrection and, and all of this stuff. Not like one, hundreds, multiple hundreds of people saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. You know how, you know you know what uh how many people have to testify against you for it to stand up in a court of law? He had way over multiple hundreds of people saying, "Yeah, we saw him. We hung out with him and had dinner last night." It's hard to orchestrate something like that. You know what the odds are of somebody fulfilling over 300 prophecies? 
It's, it's, it's impossible to calculate it. The only person that could have done that was Jesus. Impossible. We don't have enough screen to put the number up there. Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one. Because every verse that was written about Jesus is true. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. It's not just a good story that you break out once a year. Jesus Christ walked this earth, died, and paid the price for your sin, for my sin, so that we could have a restored relationship with Jesus. Fact, end of story. And if you still got questions about that, hey, hang out with me and let's have some coffee and I can give you some more information. Um, But what I love about God is his attention to detail. And he didn't just give us the prophecies about Jesus before Jesus lived so that we would have evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. God's into details. Amen? And what I want to do for the little bit of time that we've got here, because we've got a lot going on this morning, and we want to make sure that we get you guys out of here on time to handle all the Christmas Eve family stuff that you probably have going for the rest of the day. Uh, But I do want to do justice to what I feel like God has put on my heart to share with you this morning. Uh, God is just into the details. And through this Christmas story that we've seen a skit about, that we've seen a video about, and that I just read about, God painted a beautiful picture of symbolism with our Lord and Savior that I just want to share with you this morning. And you may have heard this before, and you you might be here this morning, and you might not have ever heard what I'm fixing to share with you before. But I pray, whether you have or you haven't, that it impacts you as powerfully as it impacts me every time I sit down to think about this. This will give you a whole new perspective on the Christmas story. And it'll give you a whole new perspective on God's love for you, God's attention to detail, and Jesus' heart to die as our sacrificial lamb to pay for our sins. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Kids, are you ready for this? Kids, are you ready for this? Yeah? All right. When, When John the Baptist saw Jesus... Before he was baptized, John pointed at him and he said what? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he said, right? If you look all through Scripture, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God or the Lamb that was sacrificed to pay for our sins or the Lamb who was slain and yet he lives all through the book of Revelation. Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God over and over again. Um, And we understand that in the old temple system, that the only way in that system you could have forgiveness of your sin was the shedding of blood. And it's kind of gruesome and graphic, but they would literally take a spotless, flawless lamb, and they would kill that lamb on the altar, let his blood run out, and that blood would symbolically cover your sins against God. When Jesus was born, this is so beautiful to me. Mary put him in a a manger wrapped in what? A swaddling cloth. When the angels appeared before the shepherds that were in the fields, he told told the, the shepherds that 
they would find the baby in a manger in the city of David, wrapped in what? Swallowing cloth. I can't, we can't be 100% sure of this because it's not laid out in Scripture, okay? But vast majority of Jewish rabbis and scholars agree with what I'm about to present to you this morning. The symbolism of this is absolutely powerful. The sacrificial lambs that were used in the temple during Jesus' day were raised, guess where? In the city of Bethlehem. That's where the lambs for the temple were born and raised. And they were taken care of by priest shepherds who watched over them. You couldn't just be a normal shepherd and watch over the sheep. You had to be a priest of the temple assigned with the task of overseeing the sacrificial lambs. It was a big deal because they had to be taken care of in a certain way. They had to be watched over because they had to be perfect when they were sacrificed. They had to be without spot, without spot or without blemish. They had to be taken care of in a very special way, a very specific way. When these lambs were born, they were born in a cave in the field where the rest of the, they were, where they were raised. They were born in this cave in a field, and there was a watchtower that sat over the cave where they would watch for predators to protect the sheep. In that cave, that's where all these special sacrificial lambs were born. There were stone mangers that were in there. And when a lamb was born, they would take it and purify it with salt, clean the afterbirth off of it, and symbolically purify and clean the animal to set it apart for God. And then they would wrap it in a special cloth just for the purpose of swaddling the lamb so that it couldn't kick around or cause injury to itself or damage itself. And so when this lamb was born and it was cleaned, it was literally swaddled in this special cloth of the temple and it was laid in the stone manger. Are you catching up with me now? I used to read this story, and I used to wonder how the shepherds knew where to go. Because the angel said, hey, city of David, baby's born, you're going to find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. But they knew exactly where to go. Because Bethlehem was the only city where the sacrificial lambs were born for the temple. And the only place you would find something wrapped up in what was called that special swaddling cloth would have been in that cave where the sacrificial lambs were born, wrapped up in it, and laid in that stone manger. Our Lord and Savior wasn't just born into this world. He was literally born, for the best that we know, born in the same cave as the sacrificial lambs of the temple. Purified with the same salt when he was born. And swaddled in the same cloth as the the sacrificial lamb. The Lamb of God 
takes away the sin of the world. I love that that God didn't just allow Jesus to be born. He packed his birth full of symbolism and power because he was making a statement. In the temple, this gets cooler. This is cooler. Y'all want to hear some more of this? In the temple, um, when they would offer these lambs as sacrifices for the family, what they would do is this. They would they would take your lamb or your family's lamb, and they would bring it up to the altar. And what they would do is they would write your family's name on a, on a board, and they would put it up over the altar so that everyone who was there in the temple would know that your lamb for your family is being sacrificed. So you walk in there, and they would call out your name. They would say, this lamb is for the Johnson family, for the forgiveness of their sins, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And then they kill the lamb, and everybody would see the sign and know that that sacrifice was for you and for your family. When Jesus was crucified, Pilate, ordered that above his cross there be written the words the king of the Jews now back in those days they would sometimes they would put your crimes above your head on 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 a wood board so that people would know what you're being crucified for like uh you know a murder or rape or you know this person whatever the crime was they would put up there but there would be an action ascribed to it so that people would know that you're receiving the punishment for the action that you committed. When Pilate ordered that written over Jesus' head, there was no action ascribed to it. It was just a statement. The king of the Jews. That's why the Pharisees lost their minds. You remember reading this in the Bible? Like, no, 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 no. You can't put that up there. You can't put that up there. You need to write something that says, uh, he says he was the king of the Jews. Because they wanted to put an action to it so that they would know that that's the crime that he was being killed for, or he was being crucified for. But to put a blanket statement up there of a group of people, the king of the Jews, and a temple mindset literally means that Jesus was being sacrificed for the group of people or family whose name was over his head. The Son of God, the sacrificial lamb, on a cross, dying. For his family. Powerful, huh? This is powerful. When Jesus was crucified, he was crucified during the feast of the Passover. Y'all know what the Passover is about in Jewish custom? Well, if you don't, I'll tell you. I don't want to assume that you do. Uh, way back in the Old Testament, when God was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was striking the Egyptians with plagues. And he told them, one of the last plagues, he told the Israelites, that I'm about to send, he's about to get nasty. He was fixing to kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And he told them to avoid this, take a lamb, sacrifice it, and take the blood of the lamb. You see this again, the blood of the lamb. Put it on the post of your door. And when my angel comes to do what he's going to do and to execute my judgment, he's going to see the blood and pass over your house. And so years later, they were celebrating that time, the feast of Passover, the time where God's judgment passed over his people because of the blood of the lamb that was on their doorpost. Jesus was crucified 
during the time of the Passover feast. On the day that would have been the eve of the Passover. We know by accounts that were given in Scripture at the time, on the timeline in the Gospel accounts when things happened, that it's not just a real probability, but it is highly likely that when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, it was the exact time that the priests in the temple were sacrificing the lambs on a Passover Eve so that the judgment of God would pass over his people. The sacrificial lamb of God. When God does something, he does it right. You've got Jesus, the son of God, born in the cave of the sacrificial lambs, wrapped in that swaddling cloth, the name of his people over his head as he died for them as a sacrifice. And when he died, he was dying at the time that the lambs were being sacrificed in the temple. Absolutely amazing to me. The symbolism behind it. He couldn't just die. He had to be like a master poet with the imagery and the symbolism of how it happened. And I love that. Absolutely love it. And you guys know the story doesn't stop there. He didn't just die. It's amazing to me that when Jesus died, something awesome happened in the temple too. While those lambs were being sacrificed, while the priests were there, one time a year, the high priest could go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. One time, one guy who had to go through a whole lot of preparation, and this is crazy, is they would actually tie a rope to the guy's foot so that when he walked into the Holy of Holies, ringing a bell, he was ringing a bell so the people would know that he's still there, he's still kicking, he's still alive, because if he walked into the presence of God in an unholy way or with sin in his life, the presence of God would strike him dead and he would fall, boom, dead on the ground. So when they heard the bell stop ringing, they knew he was dead, and they would take the rope and pull him out by the leg. Because nobody else was going in there. <laughs> I would, you know, that's a lot of pressure if you're a priest doing that. You know, make sure you do what you're supposed to do. You know, one guy got to go into the presence of God in the temple system like that. When Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil that separated the Holy of Holies in that temple from everything that was on the outside was ripped in two. It was ripped into from the top to the bottom because God was restoring that relationship with us from him to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. And now we all had this opportunity to have a restored relationship with Jesus and with God through the sacrifice of the sacrificial lamb of God. Is that not a beautiful picture or what? It's so, so beautiful. And on Christmas especially... It's a great time to pause and to reflect and, and to be grateful, not just for family and not just for friends and not just for the presence and not just for the memories that we're going to make, but to be thankful for a Lord and Savior who didn't just die, but who painted a beautiful picture along the way to further prove that he was who he says that he is.
Amen? What does that have to do with me, Josh? Well, it's got a lot to do with you this morning because Jesus died. He died for us so that we could have a new beginning. A new beginning. A new start on life. A new beginning at any phase. A new relationship with him because we were all dead in sin at one point. Jesus died so we could all have a new beginning. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians, there's this beautiful passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The new has come. And I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've walked through, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you're at right now, in Jesus, through Jesus' sacrifice, you can have a new beginning in your life this morning. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know where we're all at in this room, but I do know this behind every set of eyes in here. There are issues, and there are hurts, there are struggles. Some of us went through a whole lot of life to get here this morning. Some of you went through a whole lot of life in the car ride over here this morning. And on Christmas Eve, while we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, wouldn't it be beautiful this morning, you took the opportunity to put the brakes on life and all that's happened this year. All the pressure, all the disappointment, all the hurt, all the loved ones that you lost, all the people that betrayed you, you put a stop on it. And today, you gave God the opportunity to do something in you. And you gave Jesus the opportunity to give you a new beginning in your life. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask a couple of questions this morning. Before we celebrate and have fun and baptize people and we move over and, and, and have cake and hang out, I, I want to ask a couple of questions. And the first one is this. You might be here this morning and you love God and you've got a great relationship with Him, but if you just had to be honest... Life has frustrated you, it's aggravated you, and, and let's just be real honest, you might be in a place this morning where life has just taken its hand and hit you square in the face and dared you to do something about it. If you had to be honest, because of the things that have happened and the things that are going on, you're at a place where your walk with God isn't where it used to be, and you're finding yourself distracted and caught up in what's happening and frustrated in the circumstances, and you're kind of losing a step. I'm here to tell you this morning, God's here for you so that you can just wipe the slate clean in Him and have a fresh start and a new beginning. Step out of those situations and circumstances and operate in the peace that Jesus gives you as a, as a gift in Him. If you're here this morning and you love God and you say, you know what, Josh... I need to refocus and I just need to reboot and restart and I need to put myself in a place where I can just have a new beginning in my walk with God this morning. 
If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. One, two, three. Lift them up.